Welcome to Think Orphan, the podcast for orphan excellence. Real talk with real people navigating the global orphan crisis. Let's join our hosts, Phil Dark and Kelly Stewart. Welcome to the Think Orphan podcast, where we seek to help you navigate the orphan crisis with experts from around the world. We hope you're enjoying the beginning of season two as much as we are. We've had the chance to already interview two great guests that have been just a highlight of all that's going on around the world in orphan care, and also just the the things that we've been able to add in as far as our thoughts from the field, and also our mailbag, uh, which where we get to hear from you all, and we get to hear kind of what's on your hearts and what's on your minds and questions that you may have, and we have the chance to interact and and really give you our thoughts on on those questions. So, Phil, which, what's our question today? Yeah, I too am excited about this mailbag segment. Um one of the great things about it is we get to engage with everyone out there, with all you listening, and hear what's on your mind. Hear what these people are, are uh, these interviews are kind of jogging in your minds, but also just what you've been wrestling with as you're doing this work in different parts of the world. And I know today we actually have a question from uh, someone at the organization Child Rights Uganda. It's, it's, uh, it's obviously in Uganda, in Jinja. And um, this question is one that that raises a lot of of thoughts and issues in my mind. I know it's something I know I've talked with several people about. Um, And um, I'll just go ahead and read it and then I'll I'll let you kind of take the first stab at it, Kelly, and and I'll follow up with with my thoughts. But um, the uh, question is, there is a big movement in Uganda and in other East African countries to stop labeling children, especially as orphans. Even if technically true, it certainly is morally wrong. Is there any movement to stop using such terminology? What do you think, Kelly? Well, I think I have a couple of thoughts on it. The first that raises in my mind is one, you know, she mentioned that this is the movement in Uganda. And so I think there are some things that maybe we don't understand from the point of view of, of living in, in say, Africa. Um, and so I know that I have a very Western approach to to this, this question. But, you know, I think one orphan is used in scripture. And so to me, the 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 word orphan is really just a a descriptor of the situation a child may find themselves in. Um, I don't see it as a derogatory um word or, or, or anything like that. Um, also, I guess I think about just how it's not so much that it, it labels a child or it labels someone as much as it gives me an idea of how to approach, uh, that child or maybe the, um, the way that I would interact might look a little bit different because I know that about them. Not anything in a negative way, but just understanding that some of the the, the framework that this child is, is kind of operating under might look a little bit different than, than another child. Yeah, and I totally agree with you on that as far as just, for, I mean, on all, on all fronts, on the fact that, you know, we don't understand everything being in our Western lens um, and uh, as far as what exactly um, is behind the question. And there were some quotes in there, too, that I didn't, uh, didn't do the uh, quotes um, on the, the question. Air I, I, I did air quotes, but you can't see them on the podcast. So, you know... Um, but, uh, you know, they're, they're, like you said, too, though, we need to be able to talk about, you know, the children who have been orphaned and we need to be able to talk about them in a way that, that 
allows us to consider the issues that do surround this um you know, the, the children who have been orphaned. And so if you don't call them an orphan, if, if there isn't that term, then what term would you use? And as you said, there are some things that we need to know about some of these children in the world. And whether it's an orphan, whether it's a child who has cancer, whether it's a child who has, um, you know, is, is autistic. And I'm not saying that being an orphan is a disease. So don't, don't hear what I'm, I'm not saying out there. But what I, what I am saying is we need to be able to know um, that this child is in this situation, you know, as we were spiritual orphans, like you said, we, we need to know that about somebody. If they're not a Christian, that gives us a, an understanding too about how we converse on certain issues. And I think when we know a child is an orphan, there are certain things that we may, you know, handle certain situations differently. Um, in, in the context of care, in the context of psychological, psychosocial um, areas, particularly if, if they are, have been orphaned recently, um, you know, to know that is, is relevant to how, to how we do it. Now, that being said, I think there are ways that we can and, and hopefully um, are trying to reduce uh, any stigmatizing effects of it. So, you know, you don't go up to a kid and say, hey, you're an orphan. You know, you don't call them names, obviously, but when we're talking about it, you know, even the, the name of the show, Think Orphan, um, is something that I thought through that issue that I knew that there were a lot of people that, um, you know, might have take offense because they don't like the term orphan. But it is something that right now in our world, it is how we identify this group of children um, around the world. And we need to have conversations and that's why we have different words. And so if we stopped using these labels, either we would have complete nondescript children all around the world who we have no idea what differentiates them, um, or we would have to use a different term. And either way, I see major issues with all of that. And so I think at the end of the day, um, you know, right now it's the term that is used. And quite frankly, it's, it's really a not a well-defined term as we've talked about. And as we know, um, when you say orphan to different people, the people in the orphan care movement kind of know what you're talking about because they've been well-versed in the, in the definition, but outside of the orphan care movement, most people really don't, don't think of it in the terms of how UNICEF has defined it. They think of it as someone who's lost both their parents. They hear the word orphanage and they just assume that every kid in there is actually orphaned by both parents. And so obviously now we know if you've been listening to this podcast, you know, darn well, those are not two true statements. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, anyway, I think, yeah, like I said, I think at the end of the day, we need to have um, terms that actually are defined terms that are able, that allow us to have conversation, allow us to really um, uh, connect with these children in ways that, uh, you know, we know we're addressing some of the needs that they have that, you know, some other children may not have. And that's not to say that there's some children who haven't been orphaned that have the exact same needs as children that have been orphaned. Of course they have, they are. But I think you come, you come into it and you just say, okay, it's a relevant factor in how I'm going to relate with this child. Same thing with all five of my kids. I have relevant factors with each of them that uh, help to describe them. Anything else on that? Yeah, I think you're just you're absolutely right. Just in the fact that um, what I think of when I hear the word orphan might be much different than someone else down the road. And so having that um, 
that definition of what that actually is or what an orphan actually is, I think is, is a place to start. And then just my other, my last thought is just, you know, is it morally wrong to label a child an orphan? Um, which I think was brought up in the question. Mm. And, and I think that's the one I'm not totally sure what, um, what, what's being insinuated there, I guess a little bit of just, um, if a child is, orphaned a child is orphaned and I don't know what morality comes into play there besides the fact that it may just change how some people maybe approach that child or or the way some people maybe perceive that child yeah and I'm glad you said that because I too had a um, reaction to that and a visceral response to that that I too was just saying I didn't necessarily know how that how that was necessarily morally morally wrong so um, on this note, in a, in a, in a few weeks, we're going to have Tara Vanderwood on the show and she actually, um, has some issues with the term orphan for various reasons. And so you'll be able to hear from her, um, directly on this issue as well. So I look forward to that in a few weeks So stay tuned for that. But today, um, we have the, uh, we are, we are very fortunate to, to be able to hear from Billy Chandway. And interestingly, um, you know, it's like someone's planning this show. Um, we have Billy Chanway, who was the guy who had the idea given to him from God to start Orphan Sunday um, at his church in Zambia. And there's a whole lot more to him than just that. But he's a great guy that has a story that is a great story about how God took this little idea, this little mustard seed, and made it into a huge thing. So let's get to it. I look forward to hearing your comments on this on this uh, interview. And please, please do engage um, with us and converse with us on these very important topics. Hey, Billy, it's great to have you here today on the Think Orphan Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for hosting me. Uh, I'm I'm glad. Yeah. So, uh, Billy, and, and you're you're coming here from uh, Zambia, and uh, very excited for our conversation. You've you've done a lot um, in your life to love the orphaned and the vulnerable, and I know that you're impacting Africa in so many so many ways. Um, through the work you're doing, through some various things we're going to be talking about today. Um, before we get into all that, I want to I want you to just share your story on on how you got to be where you are today. Uh, thank you so much. It's a uh, it's a long story, but let me just cut it short. I come from a, a, a family of uh, of uh, uh, ten children, and I'm happen to be a twin. Uh, when my twin sister, uh, in the time of HIV AIDS, when it started, she was one of, we can say, a patient who was infected by then. And seeing her suffering uh, for two years and a half, where she's constantly in and out of hospital, exposed me to a lot of uh, realities that uh, HIV brought by then in in Africa. And I started developing a heart uh, after she passed away. Uh, It was such a thing that, uh, uh, like they say, when you are not affected, uh, uh, you are not infected, you may be affected. And I was part of the affected aspect. And 
uh, are suffering for two years with me and my mom looking after made me realize the impact of HIV on families and particularly also families within the church. And that's what now made me to open up and see how God can use such of a scar of losing my sister with HIV and be a blessing to others who are going through the same. And in this particular case, I'm not like adult, but I saw in my community a lot of uh, orphan children as a result of their parents passing away because of HIV and AIDS. Mm. Yeah, and, and I know that uh, one of the ways that uh, your work and, and that, that start and that beginning has manifested itself in the world today um, started with just uh, an idea that you had um, a few years ago um, that ultimately became Orphan Sunday. And can, can you just share with, uh, with our audience um, how that idea, how that concept of Orphan Sunday started and, um, and just what made you uh, think that it could be something that could really impact others? Thank you so much. Uh, initially, it, I would say it was God compelling me and the church leadership to live out his mandate for the church to care for the orphans. And in this particular case, uh, I was a pastor of a church in Zambia. And uh, in this church, uh, we started seeing uh, a lot of death, people dying, but we couldn't realize that this was a result of HIV. As a result of death, different deaths of people, married couples and single mothers, we then found that the church had the challenges of caring for the orphans, the children that were left. And most of these children could were left without uh, an adult in their lives and were, were now turning to the church. And if the church could look after them, if the church could help with school fees, if the church could help with shelter. And it was at that particular time that you have a need. And then you are asking yourself, uh, what do we do? How do we respond? Uh, since we have limited resources and uh, uh, where do we take these children? Uh, it was th from that background that um, we started uh, looking to God, praying as a church with the church leadership. And by the grace of God, we saw our members within the church. This is a church that you can see of less than 100 people. Mm -hmm. This is a church where financially you are not sound, sound in the sense of uh, your offering per Sunday would be $12. And how do you care for more than 30, 40 children who need shelter, food daily? And from that background, we said, this is beyond us. Mm -hmm. Let's look to God. Let's begin to pray. And as we started praying, we were praying for what? We are praying that God give us wisdom. God help us bring people, bring resources that would, would, would see us uh, demonstrating care and giving hope to these children. So from that, from that background, we saw the church members, we saw the leadership of the church sacrificing. And uh, in sacrificing, 
we started seeing uh, families saying, I'll pay for two children this month. We started seeing families who say, no, I'll be providing lunch. Others who say, I'll be taking them weekend to stay with me. So through that, we saw it was growing. And within the community, the companies, the business people, the government institution came to our, our came on board to come and stand with us and we started seeing a difference and much of the difference was the children could once again smile, could once again have a sense of hope that uh, uh, the body of Christ or the church by then could stand and walk with them. And then I said, this cannot just be a one day thing or a monthly or, or uh, something that just you do at random. Let's be intentional. Let's have a program that people can can participate uh, or once in a month, but its impact can take the rest of the weeks. And then we prayed, and then we came up with a with a Sunday uh, where we could say orphan Sunday, and then that's how it started. Uh, we bless the Lord that um, uh, we saw a change of attitude in Christians uh, to live out uh, God's mandate to care for orphans, but we also saw a change in attitude in terms of giving. And allow me to quickly go into a story of one woman who actually uh, demonstrated a willingness of God's children when they want to obey God's word regardless of their limited resources or, or, or situations. Because you're talking about Africa or at this stage where we were supposed to be expecting help from somewhere or somebody to come in and assist. But it's a challenging story where people with limited resources, people with uh, not enough could step out to obey the word of God. And uh, in this particular situation was one Sunday, I just said, it's like we didn't have much. We didn't have enough offering. We didn't have enough clothes. Then I said, please, we have these children. Some of them they have not eaten. Some of them, they don't have clothes. Give what you have. God will definitely bless you. There is a command in scripture that when you care for the poor, God will surely remember you. And one old, old woman, I think she was in the 70s by then, she stood up, got out of the church, she went home, and she took a cabbage, a piece of cabbage, one, which was remaining. And that's the only one she had for that week. And she obediently, willingly gave. And when she gave, I asked in the church, who can take this? We don't want to cut it in pieces. And then after people talking and coming to the elders who were in charge, one lady, widow, with three children, she was given. The reason she was given was that at that particular day, they have stayed three days without food. And they were living on either water or just not really uh, food that you can say this is food. And then it was a blessing. They celebrated for them to receive that cabbage. Mm. And that story 
made a difference that day because other people now started running out of the church to go and buy bread, others running out of the church to go and get uh, their, their, their food in their house and come and share with the widows and the orphans in the church. For me, that was a turning point of our program, which we, we used to call Orphan Sunday hmm. by then. I was so much blessed to see how God's children could willingly, sacrificially desire to live and obey the word of God. Yeah, that is such a great story that uh, I know that people will, will learn from. And I just hope that we can understand how much we need to give what we have in this work. Not more, not, not feel bad about how we can't give more, but just give what we have. And I also know that Orphan Sunday has grown quite a bit since the time that you just started with this small idea. Now, what has happened since that first Sunday? Um, and where do you hope that Orphan Sunday goes all around the world? Thank you so much. That's a, a very, very good question. Uh, allow me to just elaborate more on this uh, in the sense that um, there are many stories. There are a lot of things that we can say of what God has done through Orphan Sunday. But we can't just reduce it to numbers or statistics. Much more what makes my heart happy and giving God the glory, it is the hearts of men that has been transformed and changed, especially believers for their attitude or hearts, the paradigm shift that has happened in terms of orphan care. I have seen movement in countries starting because of Orphan Sunday. I have seen people respond to the call, uh, either regional level or national level, even to adopt because of the platform and, and the program of Orphan Sunday. That has really excited me so much. I never envisioned that it grow to that level. So where I pray and see it going is that um, the church will once again, through Orphan Sunday, leave God's mandate to the fullest. And what I mean is mm. we come to a place as a church where Orphan Sunday it's not just a program that is happening for a day and then that's over. Right. But we use it as a platform that gives us the tools, the models that will make us be effective in revealing the heart of God. It's not just a good idea. It's not just a program. It is a platform where we review the heart of God. We are in this, not because we just want to do all a social work, but this is the art of God. This is what God is described in scripture, is the father of the fatherless. Right. And if we can live to that, where it's not a one day issue, it's not just a one time program, but we use that one day, we use that program to, to, to give us the, the, the understanding that we can be the hands of God. We can be the mouth of God. We can be the feet of God in this particular stage to those who are orphaned, widows, and children in need around the world. 
my heart will be so much blessed and God will receive the glory. I absolutely love that. Um, if, if you didn't catch all of that answer, I just I encourage you to rewind this podcast and, and just listen again to the passion and the heart that uh, that Billy just shared. And that is the heart of God. Like he said, it, it is the heart of God to love these children with everything we have. And, and it's more than a Sunday. And I just love that, that this needs to be part of the DNA of our churches um, all That's around the right. world. That's right. So, um, and I, and I know that all of this, uh, the story of Orphan Sunday, where it's gone, how God used a man, a good friend of yours and mine, Gary Schneider, to just come to Zambia and see it and bring it back to the CAFO uh, group back in the United States and help to expand it throughout the U.S. Um, and I love one of the quotes from that video is, never despise small beginnings with God. And, mm-hmm. um, that was something that was really, um, it really just struck me because I think sometimes we think, uh, what can we do as this little guy? Um, but, uh, to see what God can do through that mustard seed is pretty amazing. So, um, where can we find that video, uh, online? I know we'll link to it, uh, but I believe it's on Vimeo. Is that correct? Yes. And, uh, even, uh, with, uh, with, uh, Kafo. A Christian Alliance for Orphans video. If you type in on the Christian uh, Christian Alliance for Orphans, that yeah. is CAFO website, mm-hmm. you type on the video uh, or Zambia the world. I think um, uh, 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 people will be able to find that. Uh, okay. It's for Great. free. Yeah, Great. but I wanted just to say something on Gary Schneider, if time could permit me. Absolutely. And how God, and how God has used them. Uh, the humility and the servanthood that uh, Gary Schneider of Every Orphan's Hope has demonstrated in allowing God to use him in that uh, we have seen the growth of Orphan Sunday. It's so amazing because... It is such that Africa and the world needs. If we are ready to let God be known, that even if our names are not known, but you allow God to receive the glory. I think Gary has demonstrated one of the keys that have allowed Orphan Sunday to grow, where you don't control it. You just allow God to use who he can use. And it's a blessing for me to be associated to people like Gary, uh, Jed, the president of CAFO Christian Alliance for Orphans, Jody, and many more who have sacrificially of their time, resources, have just allowed to be used of God. I think that's one take I would like the listeners to, to take from this program is that this is about God, it's not about us. And if that, become part of why we are involved in this. It's not because we want to do any other things, but we want to live out according to God's word. So I'm very, very grateful for these men Mm. and particularly for Gary Schneider, for the servanthood, the humility that he has demonstrated to allow God to use him in many, many ways. I have many stories of how every orphan's hope has impacted children uh, uh, orphan children in Zambia and I'm grateful to the Lord 
for even using our partnership, collaboration with him, that it has impacted such lives and families in Africa. And I just want to jump off of that where you talk about the collaboration and, you know, with with Gary, with others, um, the work that you're doing now together, Africa without orphans, um, the power of collaboration and really the necessity of collaboration if we're to do this work. Can you just talk about that a little bit and, and share with us maybe a story or two about how um, TAWO is working in Africa together to um, seek to. Uh, alleviate the orphan crisis. Thank you. Um, again, we still want to appreciate God for CAFO, uh, Wild Without Orphan, that is headed by the facilitator, the international facilitator, Luslan, and many other organizations that we have collaborated with since 2014 when I attended. Uh, uh, CAFO uh, conf, a summit in the US. What uh, came out from there is how do we engage the church in orphan care? Not that the church was not doing, but most of the church program, you could see that others, they lacked the programs. They could teach about it, but there was no program. Others, they could have programs, but their programs are not well structured. And it was the influence and the impact from CAFO, WWO, World Without Orphan, LAMB International, and many other ministries that saw that there is something happening in Africa. And what is happening in Africa, the, the indigenous movement have come up. And they have come up in numbers. Others are dealing with feeding. Others are dealing with uh, uh, adoption to engage the lawyers. Many ways. But we thought, let's not just do halfway. Like these ones, you are doing your part. But why can't we come together looking at the orphan care initiatives from a full package? Not like you are looking at it from, this one is looking at it from education. This one is looking at it from, 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 from the government. But we said, how can we once in a while come together, the, all, all of us? When I say all of us, I mean different players who are making impact in the lives of children. And it has been a blessing for the past three years that we have seen what we can call a shared vision. A shared vision simply means different people or key players who are mostly from the church coming together and begin to talk on how do we make lasting impact in the lives of children. These are orphans. And they begin to realize that above all alternatives or care that we can provide, let's strengthen the families Let's strengthen the communities and let them take care of the orphans. These we are seeing a reduction into orphanages. Now we are seeing children in families, children within the communities, and these communities are sacrificing to support families within these communities. And we, it's such a blessing that we are seeing the fruit of this collaboration with different and the, new, the good story is last week, we had a Southern Africa summit. 
the blessing of it, there were many, but one of the blessings was that the Malawi government could send their official, one of the top national officials, to our conference to just come and sit and listen to what the church is doing. They paid for her and they sponsored two of our key leaders in Malawi who are part of uh, advocating for family policies, family care in Malawi. It was such a blessing. Mm. It was such a blessing and really motivating to say the government could say, we want to come and learn this model, this passion that you are advocating for families rather than institutionalize and this other program. But basically, it really blessed each one of us who was there. And I'm traveling to Malawi in the next two weeks to, to just go and meet. And the same government is still sponsoring and trying to, 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 to see how we can help them to really streamline some of the things they are doing to strengthen families and community to look after the orphans. So those are the, the results of collaboration that we have seen in, 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 in Africa. And besides that, we also see national movement, regional movements right. that are coming up to really uh, be intentional, not just to be too general, but intentional in terms of advocating for family care and uh, policies that would strengthen families to look after the orphans and the children you need. That is just so encouraging to me. Uh, collaboration is near and dear to my heart. It's just kind of the, what, uh, what just gets me going. And I love to see the awesome work that's going on um, with what you're doing with so many others. And as you said, it's God bringing us together to do kingdom building work. And I absolutely love it. Um, one of the things that uh, you, you talked a lot about in there and is so important is, is the need for these children to get families and homes. And I know there's a, a quote in that video, that Zambia's gift to the world video that says, uh, to give them a home is more important than giving them money. To me, money is an illusion. Kids need physical touch to show that you love them. Touch is about the love of God. Touch is very important. It connects you with a person. And uh, you have also said love is not love until you express it. And I just want to know if you just have maybe a story that you have seen where that touch, that family, that home has just completely transformed a life that uh, that that uh, comes from a child who may not have had that, who then got it and to see how God used that. Can you share that? Allow me to share a story from to really emphasize on the point of love is not love until you you express it. Uh, this is a story of a young girl by the name, uh, allow me to mention the name, Gertrude, who, who was an orphan. Uh, she had no mother, she had no father, and then she, she, she was left by just some people who didn't even know God and they were keeping her. And then as a pastor in that community, I realized she used to come to our Sunday school, but you could see the abuse manifesting through fear. She'll always be crying. Uh, she's not free. So when we realize that, so when I say love is not love until you express it, it's like in some ways we loved Gertrude as a church and as a pastor. But 
I reached a point where I needed to take action. And the action that could express my love towards her was first of all to walk with her. In that time where Gertrude really faced abuse, really faced the, the, the rejection, we walked with this young girl. To some point, as we were working with her, we heard that uh, Summer, this is an orphan, she's pregnant, and then it broke my heart. But I never lost hope or uh, condemned her. We started working with her, and thank God, uh, through uh, every hope, I mean, every orphan's hope, uh, aided by Gary Schneider, uh, today I can with confidence uh, and proud, say, Gertrude, she's a teacher. Mm. She's a secondary school teacher. She's, she's helping other people walk in that hope, which is given because of the basis of Christ. And today, she's living out a fruitful life. Why? Because there were people who were walking with her. So that's the story to say love is not love until you express it. Not because we had much, but we dared to say, let's walk with this young girl. We walked with her. Today, she's not just a primary school teacher, a high school teacher. I met her uh, last year. She's smiling. She's giving hope to other children. Actually, the blessing is She's working at an orphanage school mm. and she's making a difference. So that's what uh, love, when it is expressed in words and deeds, can make a difference in the life of, uh, of an orphan. Right. And it multiplies exponentially, too. And that's, that's uh, that is clear. That is clear. Um, uh, the next question I, I want to just uh, talk with you, and you probably have touched on on this throughout this uh, conversation, but uh, what are what are uh, a couple of the biggest issues that you see that the orphan care movement uh, is facing today, um, and how can we address them? So just one or two issues that you really see that we need to address and how you think we can address them together. Number one, Thank you so much for that question. Number one, what I feel from my personal uh, uh, research and uh, analyzing, especially in the context of Africa and other parts of the world, is investing into capacity building. Mm. We are talking about children in families, and this involves a lot, a lot in the sense of we need to prepare the families where these children are. We need to prepare the workers who are working in the process of helping these families either adopt, foster, or just any other way that would do help these children be found in a safe place, in a safe home. So investing in capacity building will definitely, for me, it's one of the 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 critical issue because we are coming from a background where people cannot invest when they see a picture of a child and this this and this other program but when you say let's invest in training let's invest in helping people that are working with the children become competent in what they are doing especially when we talk about christians who will be able to have gospel centered who will be able to have evidence-based 
tools, models that would help them. Yeah. So if that is not uh, uh, helped, even as Tau right now, that is one of the challenges. So my prayer is that we'll have people, organizations, churches come on board to stand with programs that are offered by different uh, Christian organizations. Christian Alliance for Orphans, CAFO, they are doing a lot, World Without Orphan. Many other Christians that the capacity building programs will receive the support it needs to so that we maximize what is happening in these countries, but in such a way that uh, it will last long by training the people, preparing the families, and it will definitely give us the positive result. And we are believing God for an Africa without orphan, a world without orphan, but with competent, skilled, gifted people who are who are helped to understand what they are doing and how best they can do it to the glory of God. Then secondly, it is the realization of strengthening families, strengthening churches, strengthening communities. It may not be capacity building, but we are saying programs that are coming within and without not like you are coming to start a new program, but you are coming to realize what is it is being done now? What is it that uh, uh, these people are doing in Kenya, in Nigeria, in South Africa? What are they doing? And how can you come alongside? I think we have come to a place where we don't just need new more programs. We need to take stock and say, what is it that is happening? And how can we stand alongside our brothers how can we stand alongside these initiatives which are equal to what we believe in or they share the same passion like we do? Mm. If those could be the, 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 the way we go by now, I see us making and be having a collective voice, collective action, rather than seeing individual uh, uh, efforts it's time that we we humbly allow God to 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 bury our pride, our titles, and look at it from the the perspective of children who are at risk. Look at the perspective of, of uh, obeying and living out this mandate of God from the unity uh, point of view. So basically, that's yeah. how I see these two elements for me as key in, in, in taking us to some levels where we see a big difference. Hmm. Yeah, no, I agree with both of those fully. And I think we're both seeing ways that those two things are already making huge differences in, um, in some of the countries that we're working in. Um, and uh, I know that a lot of the work you're doing, uh, you, can, you can find out more about it at uh, TAWO.CO.ZA if you want to go check out the uh, Together Africa Without Orphans um, website. 
Um, but uh, as we finish up here, Billy, I just want to ask a couple more questions that we ask all our guests. And uh, as I've said before, a lot of it's just for my own purposes because I want to get I want to get more and more uh, learning um, resources for my own library. But I know others out there are really appreciating it as well. So I just want to hear from you. Um, maybe what have you read or listened to in the past few months that has most impacted your thinking about how to love orphaned and vulnerable children with excellence? Uh, say, thank you so much. This is a good question. I would say this year, early this year, because yeah, this year was it this year? Yeah, early this year in in February, I attended the World Forum in Thailand. Mm. It has made a huge difference in my life. Yeah. The, yeah. The World Forum made a huge difference in my life. There was a statement that was made that has changed to say many times when we look at the orphan crisis, we always want to begin with a need. We want to explain statistically. We want to explain. Uh, and those are true. Those are, are realities. But in that forum, the emphasis above others was let's begin with God. Let's begin to share that we are not just starting this as an idea. God, this is God's heart. That perspective, that paradigm shift for me has helped me uh, position myself even to believe that uh, above all things, above all models, programs, ultimately, it's God's presence that changes a heart of a person and including the orphans. Mm. I'm not trying to undermine these other ways, but I think that strong emphasis on let's begin with God. Let's understand that this is the heart of God. And in whatever we do, we express God's heart for his children, in families, in movements, in the church, that in itself transformed my life. Hmm. Yeah, that World Without Orphans Forum uh, was fantastic. There's a whole lot of resources at that World Without Orphans website as well. Um, I encourage everyone out there to go to and check out. Yeah, that that forum um, definitely molded and shaped my mind in a lot of ways as well. Um, the last question, Billy, um, what one person has most impacted your thinking about how we can love orphaned and vulnerable children with excellence? <laughs> yeah, it's kind of it's an unfair very, question. Kind yes, of an unfair question. Yes. I'm sure there's a lot. So <laughs> knowing that there's a whole lot more out there than one, but if you can just choose one, let's not say what one person has most, what person has impacted you in great ways that you can share with us as an example of all the other great people out there. Yes, but you allow me to mention two. <laughs> ah, that's fine. That's fine. I'll let you cheat a little bit. <laughs> yes. Number one is Gary Schneider. He has been such a blessing. Very, very blessing. Uh, I can say a lot about him, uh, especially the humility and the servanthood. And secondly, Luslan Maliuta mm. uh, uh, from uh, World Without Orphan, the international facilitator. He has been such a blessing. We have had a lot of time to talk and uh, uh, look at things. They always, Gary, um, Luslan, and many others, but these two, they'll always sit down with you 
and help you understand. You know that we come from different uh, worlds, Africa, what may what what I may say may mean differently, right. but they always want to help you understand that it's not about Africa, it's not about America, it's not about it's about God's kingdom. It's about the thinking that is centered around the gospel, that is centered around uh, God's character, and that in itself has helped me. That at any time, although there are differences, but you find a common ground that I can relate with you, I can relate with others, and together we can make a difference. So these, these, these and many more, Jody, JD, Devedry, and many, but constantly I've been engaged with these two people and we right. talk at length and uh, they've made a difference in my, in my life. Well, I know that uh, those folks have, have made differences in my life as well. And, uh, they are phenomenal folks that uh, are doing some great stuff themselves. I know that Ruslan was episode eight of this show. If you want to go back and listen to his heart um, and uh, all the things that God's doing in and through him, you'll see why um, Billy mentioned him as one of uh, the two that has most impacted his life. Uh, Billy, thank you so much for your time. This has been so rich, such a great uh, pleasure for me. And I look forward to uh, continuing this conversation in the near future. Thank you so much, and I appreciate you for giving me this platform. And uh, uh, I just ask that uh, the listeners and your ministry will continue to pray for us, even as we dare to live what God wants us to do in regard to the orphan care in Africa. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, have a great day. Thank you. Bye-bye. Well, I hope that you were inspired by Billy's story uh, as much as I was. Um, Not just his story, but the lessons he has learned and the ability he has had over the years to really uh, work with others, to collaborate and see the synergies that we've talked about on this show and that we all know can happen when we truly kind of put down our our own agendas sometimes and, and look to other people and to say, hey, how can we work together on this? and to see how God can move in awesome ways. So that's kind of what I got out of that um, interview with Billy and, um, you know, not to mention just another phenomenal story from work that God is doing in East Africa. And um, Kelly, what, what was, you know, one or two things that really stuck out to you in that interview um, with Billy? I think we, my husband and I talk a lot about how there is something very powerful and effective when the body of Christ functions as the body of Christ. And I think we saw that in uh, Billy's story and just the the story of his church of just, you know, it, it was not just one family taking in a, a child and caring for that child, but it was truly the community of uh, believers who who did their part, who who gave what they had, who uh, did not um give really they gave sacrificially and that was the mindset and i think that that is that is the beauty of scripture being played out that we were able to mm-hmm. hear about and then the second thing of just man when he just the the faith that he had and the willingness to approach god and say what do i do in this situation and again i think we see that god's plan and god's uh, vision of of what 
uh, Billy's church was doing became a global movement in a lot of ways. And so mm-hmm. just the, the that small step of faith has led to, I know, hundreds of families who have who have stepped into orphan care um, across the U.S. because of Orphan Sunday. Yeah, and that uh, it's so exciting to see what can happen. And what's cool about it is I met Billy separate from meeting Gary Schneider and, you know, both of them are just phenomenal men. And then to hear the story, um, it was so cool just cause they're both friends of mine and, um, to be able to see how they have worked together, how God brought them together, um, completely, um, just because he had a plan that they didn't know about when they first met and to see what orphan Sunday is doing and can do. Um, that actually is a great segue into the thoughts from the field this, this week. Um, Tony Steer is, is the woman who I was able to ask this, the question of, you know, what, what is, what is one of the biggest issues that we're facing the orphan crisis today and how can we address it? And her answer implicated the church and its role in stepping into the mess. So listen with me. My name is Tony Steer. I'm from Houston, Texas. And I think one of the greatest things that we're facing right now is the need for the church to step into the mess. The church has done a great job of wrapping around the idea of adoption. But with the word orphan morphing and not no longer meaning a child without one or more parents due to death, but actually it's now becoming more of a child who has no one who's willing or capable to care for them. So with that, we really need the church to rise up and to step into the mess, both um, in our communities, but also judicially. We, we see a lot of diversity issues in our communities, and really, I think the church is afraid to step into it because of what that looks like. And I think it's time for the church to wrap around and be a part of the solution to the disintegration of families. Well, thank you, Tony, for those wise words. I, I do hope that we can... Um, really heed the call to encourage our churches, to encourage those around us to really um, do exactly what she was saying as the church, and that's to engage all the issues that are implicated by the orphan crisis and engage, engage them deeply. And I hope that we can use Orphan Sunday and other platforms like that to um, really be able to dive into the lives of these children around the world, the lives of the family members, the lives of the people that are in extreme poverty, that are at risk of orphaning children or becoming orphans themselves. I just, I just hope and pray that we can, as the church, dive into these issues and, as Tony said, dive into the mess. It is messy. It's tough. It's relational. It's long-term. It's stuff that we need to do together. And so I think that today I'm just so excited with how it came together and to have Billy and Tony just talking about kind of beating the same drum that we need to work together. We need to collaborate with each other. Even the question that we're talking about is, you know, earlier in the, in the mailbag segment, but how can we um, really be sensitive to the people who are out there and are potentially going to be um, offended by some of the things we may be talking about to, to make sure that they're, they see our heart behind it and that, that we can together understand how we can do this work together in ways that are life-giving, in ways that are um, kind of moving the ball forward towards alleviating the tremendous crisis that we, are, we have in front of us. And so, you know, with that, 
we're going to roll into our last segment of the show, which is Phil and Kelly Recommends. And today, Kelly gets to recommend something. And, uh, you know, I look forward to hearing what she's going to be telling us about. So, Kelly, what you got? So a podcast that I have been enjoying lately is The Archibald Project. And if you are listening to our podcast, more than likely you are interested in obviously the um, stories of adoption, the stories of orphan care around the world, and just uh, those stories that are being played out. Um, And so The Archibald Project is basically just a, they interview uh, people who are doing the work, people who are, uh, who have adopted or people who are in the field. And so it's just been a fun listen. It's been um, just a highlight to hearing story. I just love stories. I think they they change people's hearts. I think they give perspective um, and they give a new point of view. And so I highly recommend The Archibald Project. And I, too, have been able to listen to a few of those episodes, and I agree. Great, great storytelling, and I think it's just something that will inspire you, and hopefully together we can all do these different podcasts that will inspire and equip and and help us to do this work to the best we possibly can, to the best of our abilities. And um, that's my that's my hope and prayer, and I, I just thank you again for your download today, and I look forward to hearing and, and seeing your, your comments, your questions, your engagement on our Think Orphan uh, Facebook page, or uh, at the, just email us at info at thinkorphan.com. So thanks again, and we'll uh, hopefully we'll be able to talk to you again next week um, when we have a great, great interview in store for you. We hope you've enjoyed today's Think Orphan podcast. And for all the information in this week's podcast, please visit us at thinkorphan.com. You too can be part of the conversation. Send your questions to info at thinkorphan.com or join us on the Think Orphan Facebook page. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again on the next edition of Think Orphan.